Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Call Her CEO podcast. I'm here with my guest, Amelia. We're here today to talk about the workplace and the realities of the workplace, especially when you are a young person. So, Amelia, the floor is yours. Introduce yourself. Hello, hello. My name is Amelia. Thank you for inviting me here. I am so grateful to be talking about this today with you two. It is the workplace and positivity in workplace and and all that jazz is truly something that I am passionate about. So I am, I got my sleeves up. We are ready to dive in, ask away. And I'm so, so, so grateful to be here. Thank you so much for joining me. It's honestly such a pleasure to have you. Just give like a quick little rundown of like your experience in the workplace and everything, just kind of like even education-wise as well too. Oh, that's a long one. I will, I'll give you a, a rundown of a little bit of my background. It's a, it's a zigzag. So I always say there's no straight line to success per se, but I come from an art background. I know you and I were talking about art just before um, our call, but yes, art is where I carry majority of my background, visual and and um, performance art. So that's a lot, a lot of where my background comes from. And after graduation and getting a degree for visual arts, I had moved on to hospitality and tourism management at the Ryerson University of Forest. And when I had entered the business world. I, coming from an art major, I had no idea what economic was. I didn't know what accounting was. Those were just, those are not my favorite subjects. There was no dance classes in a university. (laughs) So I I had to change a lot and learn a lot during my first year. So um, post-graduation and during school, I got my first job at the Marriott Hotel. I held my first internship there as the sales and marketing coordinator. I did love it so much. I I fell in love with hotel and sales in the hospitality industry. And I also took a very big interest in all these events that the hotels were having, Ryerson was having events, how do you plan it and what goes behind the scenes. So currently I am strategic partnership chair of MPI Toronto chair. So I look after all sponsorship activities for all of their MPI Toronto chapters events. Apart from that, last year, just prior to my layoff before COVID, I was a U.S. account coordinator with the Metro Toronto Convention Center, MTCC, just located downtown. Some of you may know the MTCC at the scary exam hall. I surely took a lot of my exams at the convention center in a big hall and the clocks were ticking. Um, but thankfully I was able to uh, see a lot more than just an exam room at the convention center. That's a little journey of me. So I come from an art slash hotel and events background. And here I am today where I own my own business called Baby Bunny Co. It is an online retail boutique for babies and moms. I had done some research right before we were going to have our call and I looked at your website and I love like all the clothes are so cute. Like I was like, (laughs) I was just like spending like a good like hour at least just like sitting down like, oh my God. And I'm like, I don't need any of this because like obviously I'm like still kids are years away, but I was like, oh my God, this (laughs) is so cute. So honestly, congratulations though on your success with your business. I think there you're everything is just adorable honestly like when I have kids I'll be writing that name down I'm gonna be ordering some stuff (laughs) let me tell you it's it's so cute um but I just want to like dive in a little bit more into workplaces so I know you and I had 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 a discussion a little while back about workplaces so 
what does a positive workplace look like to you? I think that sometimes when you're a little bit younger and you hold retail jobs or you even hold like service jobs that sometimes your idea of like what a positive workplace is like is a little bit skewed depending on where you are. So let me let me hear your thoughts about that. Thank you. You know, I did back in uh, early days of university, I held a retail job and you're right. I, I, done, I, I didn't know what's, positive workspace or workplace meant. Uh, I thought it meant glitz and glam um, and sparkles, meaning, you know, if you worked at a retail and everything's pretty, or maybe it's a known brand that everyone appreciates, then I just thought the appearance meant the happy workplace. But turns out not so true. Personally, I'm a huge believer that fulfillment and ability of saying I love my job is not a luxury, but rather a right for everybody. Um, and, and it often seems that I, I love my job and you look at that person, do you really, because we haven't, we haven't had that privilege to see and define what positive workplaces mean to each and every one of us. And to you, it may, it may be completely different, but for me, what a positive workplace, look, workplace looks like is, hmm, a shared purpose of why, a group of people, group of like-minded people who share a strong sense of why you are doing what you do. So the creating space for people to become their greatest self, um, rather you're, you know, rather you're in retail, rather you are in hotel, wherever you are, uh, you want to be empowered. You are there for a reason um, and you want to always tie back that into your why. So the ability to inspire others and by providing internal communication and as, as well as performance management. And I think that kind of leads back to empowering one another and sharing a strong purpose of why. Um, that's what a positive workplace looks like to me. It's easier to define what a toxic workplace looks like in comparison to what a happy workplace looks like. I, I realize it's so much easier to pinpoint what the bads are than what the goods are because sometimes we just don't see it quite often but yes going back on shared sense of why why you're there that's a really great answer and that kind of like even clarifies some things for me as well because the job that I'm currently holding is actually my first job it's my part-time job I've been there for four years I've held this job since high school so like it's very it's very nice to see that there's like a different perspective in terms of what the positivity in a workplace is supposed to look like, because sometimes people take things that might necessarily be like not like, let's say as an example, when people give you criticism in the workplace, that's not doesn't mean that like they're doing something negative. That's like to help you. And like, sometimes I think when you're a little bit younger, and you're even holding your part time job that sometimes you get a little bit clouded in terms of oh, is this person like out to get me? Or is this person trying to make me do better? And I know that even for myself, you know, you're kind of sitting in that frame of mind where you wonder like, oh, but I'm getting all of this criticism, but no one ever tells me, you know, if I'm doing a good job. But sometimes like what we kind of forget to realize is that you don't necessarily need to be told that you're doing a good job, but that criticism is kind of like how in the workplace, people tell you that, you, they have faith in you. Is that, uh, that's at least the way that I see it. I think it's so important for leaders wherever and whomever they are to recognize 
recognize your employees when they do their good. I know, um, and it, again, it doesn't uh, work for everybody, but I know for me, positive enforcement works all the way. I am, a, I am probably more sensitive than the others. So if you were to tell me I didn't do X, Y, Z right, but then I did ABC so well done, then, you know, you do get a little bit, uh, a shift of purpose in there. So I think it's so important to encourage and reinforce the goods that your employees do. Also tying back to when it becomes criticism, I value criticism because that, how else would you grow? How else would you know what you are, what you could possibly improve on, right? But I think it's the delivery of the communication that matters the most. The delivery of the communication is really important to that. And, but if you were to pull back and just ask me what positive workplace looks like, it's somewhere, sounds so odd, but it's somewhere where you want to be. I know not everybody uh, can agree with that, but you want, um, I mean, of course there are days that you just don't want to go to work and that's absolutely normal. However, um, in, in a big sense, you want to be there and uh, you can at the end of the day, I do love what I do. That's what a positive workplace looks like to me. I think that when it comes to positive workplaces as well, you know, I know for myself personally, I love my job. And as a part-time job, I think people kind of wonder like, oh, but that's it's like, how do you love something that's like your part-time job? But it's very much like in the field that I like, it's in something, it's in an environment where I feel like I'm valued and that I want to be there. Yep. So I think sometimes too, is that if you can get basically, if I could get the same atmosphere that I have in my part-time job in the, in, in my industry, in marketing, that would be genuinely like the best case scenario for me, because yeah. I think that that's like a great opportunity for me to like, that's the same environment where I can still grow and like, you know, get positive reinforcement and criticism and be able to like, you know, take the experiences that I have from like my, my job or from school and apply that to something that is a little bit larger than just my part-time job, you know? I love that you brought that up. I'll tell you a little bit about where I came from my first job at uh, Aldo, Aldo, oh. the shoe store. Um, and I want you to understand what you learn uh, at your current part-time job will absolutely translate into your future. Um, when I was selling shoes, it really wasn't about selling shoes. Uh, as odd as that sounds, it was about building that connection to find the right fit or whatever the whatever um, people may be purchasing. Often people don't come in for a particular shoe, but it's about that relationship you build and that connection you make to whether uh, that your goal sales sale sorry rather that your goal is to make a sale or to create a connection without uh, that relationship building I don't think there could be an end result so it's your skills are absolutely transferable I also with what you said about uh, like it's not about the shoe sale necessarily it's about the connection I find that I've started to apply more of that like frame of mind when it comes to myself and selling cosmetic related items, whether that's like skincare fragrance or makeup itself, because more often than not, when people are coming to you and they're looking for your advice, the same way that if you're going to a shoe store, I would ask you, you know, like what, what kind of shoe, like, do you think is good for this occasion or that occasion? You know, if I'm there, you're there to guide me the same way that when people come to my workplace, they're asking me to guide them and to find them something that will best suit either their skin tone, smell nice on them, or, you know, clear up any, let's say like skin concerns that they have. So I, I think for myself- definitely calling you. 
for you the can mind definitely call me. <laughs> my coworkers and I often forget that sometimes your $50 sale, your $100 sale is not about like the dollar value of the sale. It's that that, that customer felt that they could trust you and that like they will probably come back to you and come see you and say like oh you know what can you help me find this now and you know building that building that connection with customers is like the one of the most important things when it comes to retail or even really any kind of job because you know depending on what you're doing in your industry you're also probably dealing with customers as well yeah absolutely agreed it really it really can be applied to every single sector so I also want to know how you contribute to the positive work environment, because I know we talk about what the positive work environment is like, but I want to know how you make your contribution. I want to say by two things, uh, communication and trust. Um, by building trust, uh, it goes a long way. And I think you can't build a trust without communication or effective communication, I should say. Um, to me, a team is a group, or not just a group of people who work together, often, you know, team you see it yeah you just kind of see it as a group of people who work together but team to my team it really means a group of people that trust each other so I think by what the least that everybody can do is taking that extra step to build trust and what I mean by build trust is um being accountable for the work that you do, um, being reliant and, and being there for another. And now that doesn't mean you have to be emotionally available to everybody <laughs> that you are working with in, in personal matters um, for relationships. I think uh, for team members, building trust can mean giving an extra hand for a work, um, whatever they're working on, just checking on your coworkers. How are you? Really, how are you? Um, it goes a long way. I've surely worked at a place where there just was no um, team building and it was quite discouraged. We were uh, quite discouraged to, um, I would say, go out of our boxes to make stronger team connections because we were so focused on sales and sales and sales, but I don't believe that you can meet your goal, which if that's a sale goal or, or whatever it is without uh, team bonding and building trust. Um, again, we all have our different ways that we trust one another. It doesn't mean that I want to know all about your personal life and then now I can trust you. No, and sometimes people don't at all want to involve their personal life and that's okay. Um, so by building trust just means respecting one another and, and um, communicating effectively. The one thing that I've learned, I think, when it comes to working in a team and that which you like de definitely express a lot through like what you were saying is that there's no I in team. And I know that is like a saying that constantly gets like referred to in like every workplace, every like student group, every um, group project, but there really is no I in team. And, you know, it's really difficult to meet the goals that you're looking to meet when, you know, you don't have everybody either like trusting each other, able to work together, or maybe people are not able to put aside their differences to work together. Yeah. And yeah. I think that people kind of lose sight of that very quickly when they're like really focused on either a being the leader or b like not wanting to always contribute their part uh so that kind of makes me want to segue into being a leader but without being bossy um i know that when i know that for myself i am typically more of the leader type so sometimes it could 
translate to bossiness to other people, while there are another group of people who feel that that's just myself. When I'm a leader, I don't necessarily tell people like, this is what you have to do. But like, it's more like sometimes people need a little bit of a push. That's mm-hmm. what I see. A slight push. Yeah. I want to be careful of that word bossiness because it has such um, emotional weight to women, especially in the workplace, because we are always seen as the more feminine and submissive per se. And we are, we often work in a really uh, male dominated uh, workplaces, especially when you get into all these big corporates, it is it is mm-hmm. a truth. Um, so I do want to be cautious of that word bossy. And because, um, you know, if you as we as a woman are were to speak out just a little louder, then you're called, um, oh, she's so bossy. But but it had that came from, and again, I don't want to go into too much of detail, but a, a couple examples that I can think of, but had that came from your male boss, uh, is he bossy as well? And what is bossy? So I'd like to start there of defining what that word means. But for, for me, um, a leader's job is not to do the work for others, um, but it is to help others figure out how to do it themselves to get things done and to succeed beyond what was possible. So a great leader would really recognize each and every one, whatever your goal is, it is the leader's job not to tell people what to do, direct people what to do, but to figure it out how to do it themselves so they feel empowered to do so. Um, I have to admit that some great leaders are not the strongest, but they are, I would, I believe that they're the ones who are honest about their weaknesses too. So I think vulnerability is big, big, big key to leadership because you are more open to your colleagues. And and when you do see a leader who do share a little bit of vulnerability, um, you see them as a person, a human being, and you humanize the workplace. I think that's really important. They don't have to be the smartest and book heavy, but um, they are often the ones who can admit how much they don't know. I think that also is important. Do you have a team because you can't do everything? You're not a boss because you know everything, right? Um, The great leaders truly can't do everything and they know that and they know, recognize that. So you are the one who can look to others to help them. In turn, you empower your employees. So I would say great leaders don't see themselves as this great boss, um, but they see themselves as human, just like you and I. So humanizing the workplace really allows that um, negative connotation of bossiness, rather you're female um, or male or uh, any other gender. I think humanizing workplace and being vulnerable is really important to navigate the workspace as a leader. I definitely agree with that 100%. I think that when we, when you discussed humanizing the workplace and discussing like, you know, your surroundings and what's going on around you, people more often than not forget that. I think that in some way, the pandemic obviously is not a very ideal situation for anybody but I think it really woke up a lot of people and kind of like shed a bit more light on the fact that people live out people live their life outside of their workplace and 
when you're in your building and you know everything you have like your facade on or you know you have like your your business you're like in your business frame of mind um you're generally more you know you're outside like your the things that you like to do or like you know like your pastimes or you know what your life is like outside of work on a general note are generally things that you don't really talk to talk to Mm -hmm. people about in the workplace so you kind of keep that to yourself but when you have like a zoom call as an example and you know you were saying about like the dogs or like people even who have children and their children are coming up to them during their meetings and you know those are (laughs) those are all things that are like that people are like oh like you know you realize that there is more to life than just somebody's like someone in their job. Like, you know, people live their life outside of that. Even like my professors, I know that I had a professor last semester. He was a lovely person. I really enjoyed his class. And he used to have lecture videos as well, in addition to the lecture. And his daughter used to be in them. And it was so precious. And you know what? It really, I had had him before, but it really made me look at him in a different light because it also made me realize that, you know, your profs or your boss or whoever, they're people too. They live lives outside of work and, you know, they're doing the best that they can when it comes to, you know, their personal lives and stuff. And maybe you might have not considered something like that when you were actually going to work. But then when you're, you know, when you're on a Zoom call and stuff, you realize that people's struggles or things that like personal things that people are dealing with, they're real. They're not just something that you can necessarily always leave behind you know, at home, because what if your home, your home is your workspace. So all the, all the things that you're dealing with are like on the other side of the door, the other side of the wall. And it's not something that you can particularly ignore. So by humanizing that kind of stuff, I think it sheds a lot more light on the fact that we are humans and, you know, there will be instances where, you know, people might have to like, might need like accommodations or anything like that, just because of their circumstances. Yeah, I would agree. When, if, when, and if, if this meet was in person, it's just around noon year. So I would assume that I would be in an office, not hair up in a bun with sweater. I would probably be in my business suit and it, I would probably invite you to a, um, or one of our boardrooms and the settings intimidating. I remember being a student and being called to those offices and it's just scary. However, you're right. Going back on that personal connections, um, the pandemic kind of has allowed us to a slow down and b to define what is, what really is important to us. Um, and then third being, again, humanizing the, the workplaces. Uh, I think this flows for an easier conversation. You can read people better. Um, I personally really, really enjoyed the connections that I was able to build throughout the time away, away from physical work, I mean. In a way, I find that, see, the reason why that it's like also like realizing that people who work in the industry, they're humans too. And, you know, they might come, they might, you know, you might see them at networking events and, you know, we're all in our like business professional, you know, like um, attire and all that kind of stuff. But behind all of that, you know, they're living, they might be, you know, they might have like really cool hobbies or like they might know how to do like a really cool trick. And like, those are things that you don't always get to see from people. Agreed. I am likely to do business with those part, the partners that I am more, I have a relationship 
with. That doesn't mean personal, but I do business with the people that I have pre-existing relationship with or a relationship that I have built. So rather that meaning like, oh yes, my AV supplier, I remember him, he had a dog and we talked about X, Y, Z. I'm, I, I trust him and I have that relationship already. So I'm going to call him prior, uh, before I reached out to anyone else. So yes, relationship matters. I also wanted to touch on um, equity, diversity, and inclusion in the workplace. So in previous episodes, I have also briefly discussed the importance of it, but I do want to hear your take on it. I think that especially coming from your background and everything, like like workplace and everything, I think I'd just like to hear what your thoughts are and maybe even ways that you would, that you have or would plan to implement EDI in the workplace. Thank you. Such an important topic of this discussion and there's a lot that's been happening. I mean, it's nothing new, um, but however, uh, you know, it just amplified with everyone being home and not seeing the light of the day almost <laughs> since it's been so gloomy. Um, but truthfully, it really is dear to my heart. I am, uh, we, I am the current, um, I'm on a task force with the MPI Toronto chapter um, with the diversity, equity, and inclusion task force, we do we aim to build a longevity for the chapter. So what I would um what I would start by saying for organizations, companies, individuals, home families that are wanting to implementing um, ED and I into workplaces or or wherever, um, know that the goal is not to be perfect at the end of the day. Um, I am not an expert, um, although there are many experts out there, but the goal is to be better today. So that's one thing. If if anyone's listening, that's one thing I want you to take away. The goal is not to be perfect at the end of the day, but the goal is truly to be better today. I will start with some challenges, if that's okay, in in organizations that I've I've seen um, the biggest challenge for businesses is to that I don't know if they understand the visible and hidden forms of power, um, privilege, dominance, all, and acknowledging the role that um, the perpetuating systems of racial injustice. I think step one is to understand the visible and hidden uh, privileges. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that may be a step one to in recognitions. Um, and many employers and employees tend to view racism as an individual intention acts of malicious acts. Um, and it is, however, mm-hmm. that there are so many systemic racism or systematic uh, or uh, privileged that is embedded into our society that we need to tackle the deep root of the cause. Um, yeah, the racism is so often me, and, and, and pardon me, I'm only talking about racism here in DNI in particular in this angle, um, but it is often so deeply embedded that the problem is not only the question of addressing um, who are silent and, and the silence really, silence kind of results into fear and discomfort of tackling the systematic racism in the workplace. So I think, again, starting with uh, understanding the visible and hidden forms of power, and of course, diversity, 
equity inclusion does not only include color, diversity in color, diversity of thoughts is important and inclusivity in your workplace. Um, looking back to June of last year, uh, I had a great idea of organizations that I would work for and organizations that I will never work for. Has your, um, does the company you work for have any statements out? What work are they doing with DNI? Are they scared to put anything out there? And if they are, why? Um, so one way that employees can ensure that organizations are embodying good diversity and inclusion practices and holding is holding their leaders accountable. The leaders have to, I mean, not only the leaders, but each and everybody who does work there, but it does, uh, leaders tend to have more power to speak up on behalf of the organizations. So DNI practices must be accountable for each and every, each and every uh, leaders and employees. Um, together, I believe the collective voices will be louder than of course one. Um, however, I do want to stress that fear and silence is, is a huge part of the problem. It's absolutely part of the problem. And I only hope to tackle that uh, slowly by slow. Um, but yes, start with knowing the visible and hidden forms of power. And that goes for any right? That goes for, is my workplace physically inclusive? If my employee, for example, one of the, or a, a public had, they need accessibility. Do we have the, those protocols? What do we do for Black History Month? Have we done anything or are we planning to, and why not? Uh, so all of those, do my, does all of my workplace employees, and is this a place that everybody wants to come to and revisit? So those are a lot of the questions. However, silence of organizations is the scariest to me. I think that with the, in light of even the Black Lives Matter movement as well, and like even in recent matters with um, violence against Asian people as well, um, there has been a lot of companies that have issued statements that have explained, expressed their, you know, support for, you know, uh, stopping those kinds of things, but also to the companies that don't really say anything and they don't issue any kind of response to it does sort of shed light to people who are like looking for jobs as well, whether that's like younger people or older people, um, because you realize that if you fall into a category of people who could be affected by those circumstances or, you know, and that applies to anything, like even if, and especially if you're somebody who is very passionate about those things as well, you know, it might make you consider that, well, if they're not, you know, issuing a statement about, you know, these kinds of uh, injustices, then, you know, what's it like in their workplace? And if I am entering that space, am I going to be feel, am I going to feel, you know, out of place or uncomfortable? So I know that I noticed as well, too, that even within the student society, we do generally try to always like issue statements regarding um, like the political injustices and also just social injustices in general, because that is what, you know, when you're, especially when you're such a very diverse university like Ryerson too, it's important to shed light on the, um, the circum, like the poor, the circumstances that, you know, can be essentially are out of your control, but they're things that you should still be able to support these people and you should be able to support them by issuing a statement and showing that you stand in solidarity with them. You're not standing against them. Right. I would agree. It's, it's, it's heavy. It's emotional, but 
Yeah, it, it goes, it, there's a, I could talk probably two hours on this topic, but you're right. I, I wanted to add not only the statements are important, but the word diversity uh, and inclusion has become such a buzzword that I fear that some, and not, I'm not uh, pinpointing anybody. However, I don't, I, I wanna see more action. So when we put out these statements, I know Ryerson is an incredibly diverse and inclusive. Um, I attended the school for five years and there has never been a time that where I uh, felt didn't belong. However, that doesn't mean there's no room for improvement. Um, but I want to, I fear that the word diversity and inclusion um, kind of get thrown around. And it is one of those, some people view as one of those hot trends or, or a, a topic in need. However, it's all, it's always been a priority for many organizations. So I love to see more action, um, more contribution to the community. And you're right, going back on job searches, a lot of us are looking for jobs right now. Do not only, I think here's one thing that uh, employers have to know. Of course, the employers are seeking for, they're the ones hiring, they're the ones with the form of power in hiring process. But um, if I were to pick an organization, and I know I'm going to be devoting 45 to 50 hours a week uh, to that organization, I want to know that they, they, uh, that they are the right fit for me too. Uh, so it goes both ways, that's for sure. And speaking of diversity, um, diversity inclusion, um, I wanted to touch on generational um, a little bit for, I guess, a positive workplace. Um, a lot of the times we do, we kind of look at, oh, uh, millennials want a beanbag and millennials or, or Gen Z's want a lunch break, uh, all, all those things. But the secret to helping different generations thrive in the workplace is not a, turns out it's not a secret at all. We don't need to treat anyone or any generation differently than the other. We just need to treat them like people. So that's, uh, that's one thing that we need to know. Um, we all want to be heard. Um, there's a lot in common when especially you are in a workplace together, um, regardless of age, demographic, color, background, all human want to be feel valued. And I think that's, um, that's a commonality in most, most of us where we want to feel significant and we want to feel empowered. So. We all want to be be safe and um, feel welcoming to the workplace. So being mindful of uh, that is not just the millennials or Gen Zs who are speaking out, wanting more uh, choices and freedoms. Um, I think being uh, inclusive of the generations and not dividing them up, uh, I think that's quite important as well. We want to know that our organizations care for us, not just Gen Z, not just millennials, but everybody wants to know that the organizations that you work for truly care for us because we're not machines. We are truly beautiful human beings um, mm -hmm. who have so much to offer. I think that even within light of social media as well, I think that sometimes um, my generation, Generation Z, or even like millennials as well, are painted in a negative light for sometimes standing up for the things that they believe in. And I'm talking about the big things, but I'm also talking about the small things too, because, you know, even when you're talking about, about oh, 
about Gen Z's wanting a lunch break. Those are things that, you know, people might think, oh, but that's like so small and like irrelevant. But yeah, like, the, you know, if you're allocated the half hour, or one hour break, like you're going to take it because like you said, we're not machines and nobody's a machine. And I think that even as an example from like personal experience with like my parents as an example, they both worked in their fields for a long time. And, you know, there was always like a certain perception around like breaks or leaving early. And, you know, when my, my mom stayed at home with my sister and I for years, so she never ended up going back to her corporate job, but, you know, she would still, I remember when she was telling me when she was getting married that she'd leave at four 30 and her boss would be like, Oh, are you working part-time? And like, you know, those are things that you, you know, people forget, like I said, like we've been saying this whole time is that we have a life outside of work. And, you know, when you have a company that is valuing the fact that you do have a life outside of work and that, you know, life happens sometimes, um, I think that like makes them even a better place to work at because, you know, you're realizing that you, they recognize that their employees are humans and they're recognizing too, that even the younger people that come in, you know, you can't paint everybody with the same brush. And I think that's very, very common. Like it's something that happens a lot more frequently than we think, but, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of people out there that really want to work and they really want to do a good job. And it's not just because they want even the recognition for it necessarily. Like, yes, that part's nice, but they also want that for like personal satisfaction as well. You know? Absolutely. I, um, if I could paint my own dream workplace and thankfully slowly I'm getting there is, um, nine to five, of course that, that it works. Um, it's great. I do like a routine and structured work place but shoot like you say um maybe take the afternoon off and I have a networking event then I would I would seek an organization that is empowering me to attend those networking events or just to drop off my niece to the hospital or what whatever it is but I trust myself that I will come in earlier the next day or, or stay later or make whatever work um because I am empowered to finish my projects and get my work done so um I'm all for four-day work weeks. That's how I work the best. Three-day, two days, I mean, two-day weekend, let's get real. We do laundry one day, grocery day the other day, and uh, that's about the weekend. <laughs> so I'm a huge believer in balance. Um, if you are not rejuvenated and not feeling like yourself and not recharged, most likely you can't give back to the company your full self, right? So um, what I mean by everyone deserves lunch break legal right um but sometimes i know from speaking from others like you're you don't feel encouraged um to like you feel scared to use that one hour um and you kind of quickly eat at the desk because you have so much work to do but um when you take a step back and look at organizations who do empower employees um meaning take a week off for mental health or mental health that they, those are so important i think a mental health day all the time not all the time <laughs> <laughs> I would have needed. Yeah, I'm gonna take a mental. <laughs> I am, maybe, yeah, maybe that's not a good idea. But when needed, um, yeah, mental health days are welcomed. And one thing exciting that I want to um, touch a little on is I am currently working on um, uh, an event, building an events company. It is official and legal. It's called Empower Meetings, and we aim to hire uh, and create a workspace for. Uh, inclusive workspace that really cre you create the workspace so for example I don't believe that if you're a morning person then you're successful 
so many of us say that 5 a.m. team and truthfully I was that 5 a.m. team but you design your life by being able to design your own life um, you can get so much more accomplished and of course there are days that you'll feel lazy and demotivated but apart from those days allowing the space to tell yourself that it's okay for those odd days off and really listening to your body and having the control of your time and hours. I think that's incredibly freeing. And I know that's not, I know that that is a form of privilege as well. Not everybody can have those. And I haven't had those privilege in my workplaces like that to be that flexible, but Mm -hmm. that's what I would aim to create in this world. I think that's a great, I think that's a great goal to strive for. I think that being able to be in a flexible and inclusive workplace, basically everything that like fits under the categories of, you know, not only just EDI, but like just in general too, you know, the work-life balance is so important yet. Like we tend to forget about that or we tend to, you know, push it aside because, you know, we have other like commitments that are work-related to tend to, but that kind of balance in life is incredibly important. And I think it sheds light on the fact that there is more to life than just your job and as well as you know your job is still important of course but you know there is more to life than you know just working and stuff too and the companies that you know encourage you to either like take the day off or you know like take the week or um any kind of thing like that I think that that's essentially I think that's like what this generation is kind of looking for in a sense you know like that we know that if we needed to take that mental health day that we can and you know we're not going to feel guilty because we had to or you know we're going to take that week off because you know there's a personal thing going on and you know there's a lot of things we've got to deal with so we need that week off and you know we're not going to feel guilty we're not going to be you know constantly checking our emails to see what's going on at work because if we're taking that week off for ourselves or for as a compassionate reason we want all of our attention to be on that compassionate reason or whatever it is as opposed to your work life yeah yeah, absolutely. So well said. I love that. I think create, designing your life, own life, is probably the most privileged thing that I could do. Um, but again, I, I do understand it is not always possible and accessible. Um, and, and I do understand the importance of those set work hours. But having that flexibility and an ear to do, I think those are those are, that's going to really change a lot. Imagine four-day work weeks or having those, imagine calling work. I couldn't, to be honest, because I've had those days where I just felt so depressed or so anxious or just really not feeling it today. Um, But you pull yourself together, you go to school or you go to work, um, but you're not there. You're not mentally there. So had I had those opportunities to say, today is my mental health day. Those are, those are, um, if, and if that was uh, universal and welcomed, I think, and with less stigma, <laughs> I think it will be very empowering because I know I can bring much better when I am recharged. 100%. I, I full wholeheartedly agree with you on that. Um, so I did want to close off this podcast with your fantastic remarks. Thank you so much, Amelia, for spent, like dedicating this time to talking to me and this shedding more light on even your experiences and you know what other younger people should be looking for when they're searching for a good workplace. So Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Thank you everybody for joining into the podcast. Feel free to t- tune into our next episode, which will be launched in two weeks, which is unfortunately our final episode 
for the semester. So thank you everybody and take care. And then Amelia, I just want you to please plug your business and everything. Sounds good. You can find me on the website at www.babybunny.ca. That is my company's website. And on Instagram, it is babybunny underscore co. Um, and my LinkedIn, you can search, search up Amelia J. Kim. And I am always happy to connect. If you have any questions regarding our topic today, or if you just want to have a coffee chat, I'm always available now that we are in this virtual world. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much for your time, Amelia. Take care, everybody.